Hello, my name is Mila. Welcome to the first episode of the Existential Diaries. This is a podcast I've been wanting to do for a really long time, and I've either never had the time, never wanted my voice to be recorded and published anywhere, and didn't want to be perceived, but because 2023, I am trying to be different and do things that I normally would be too scared to do, here I am recording a podcast in my office at 10.30 a.m. on a Monday. So we will see how this goes, and this pilot episode will probably be a hot mess, just as I try to figure out what format I want to do, what I want to do, but this is my podcast, and I'm really excited. So here we go. Right. So the basis of this podcast is I wanted to create kind of a melting pot of all the different podcasts I've listened to, all the different aspects of podcasts that I like, and also things that I personally like to talk about with my friends, with my family, sometimes with myself, and have a way to record it and listen to it. And there is something really nice about speaking things out and figuring it out as you're talking about it. So a little bit about me. My name is Mila. My full name is Mila. Sorry, I had to cut that out because I just said my full name and I don't know if I want that out there. I don't know what I want to say about myself. Okay, wait, I don't know why the introduction is being so hard. Honestly, this is future editing me. Please ignore this part of the introduction. I have no idea what I was doing, but I'm about to actually give a proper introduction in about three seconds. Sorry about that. A little bit about me. My name is Mila. I am 24 years old. I just turned 24 last week. I was a master's student, but I just graduated this past November from the University of Edinburgh. I got a master's of science in global crime, justice, and security. I live right now in the East Coast of the United States. I am originally from Buenos Aires, Argentina. I was born there, All majority of my family lives there. And yeah, moved to the US when I was younger and studied here, got my undergrad here, and then moved away for a bit. And now I'm back here for post-grad life and decided to start a podcast. So the podcast name is The Existential Diaries. It is a concept that I thought about for a really long time. I wasn't really sure of the name, but I generally feel like there was a point in my life where I was always in an existential crisis and had no idea what my life was, what any of this meant. And that's where Existential Diaries, the name came from. This podcast, again, is a hot pot of everything I like in podcasts and also my own thoughts on things. I want to talk about philosophy, obviously, because it is something very important to me and I'm constantly reading about philosophy. I just started another philosophy course, which dives a bit more deeper into other philosophical concepts. I probably would talk about it until... I'm done with the course and feel like I have a better grasp on some of these topics. And then also just about art, travel, and hopefully 
some people like it. If you don't, honestly, none of this really matters anyways. So, okay. This is also just a place for my thoughts. Everything here comes from things I've learned, things I've read, speaking about stuff that I feel that I have a good enough grasp on to talk about because some of these are really big concepts and diving into the meaning of life is a bit intense uh, for the first 10 minutes of a podcast that is in its first episode. But why, why not just do it? So I will first talk about the cover art for this podcast because it is really cool and I really like it. So this is the artwork called Francesca de Rumini. It's in the Scottish National Gallery right now, and it was painted by William Dice. He was a Scottish artist who was born in 1806 in Aberdeen, Scotland, and he died in 1864 at the age of 58. He first began his training at the Royal Academy School in Edinburgh and London, and then he moved to Italy and continued his artistic education in Rome. He originally was specified in religious and medieval subjects, but he liked to venture out and do other concepts as well. He was in charge of the School of Design in Edinburgh and then was invited to become the first superintendent of the Government School of Design in London. William Dice also played a part in the formation of public art education in the UK and the South Kensington school systems, which I found really, really interesting. In addition to that, he was the founder of the Motet Society, which was an organization that tried to advance the restoration and use of long-neglected works of the English church. So, busy, busy guy. So, the artwork itself was created in 1837 using oil on canvas. Dice painted this while he was in Edinburgh, and the subject is inspired by Dante's epic poem, The Inferno. And it depicts Francesca, who was married to a really old dude named Gianciotto, and she fell in love with his younger brother, Paolo. So in this image itself, you can see Francesca and Paolo kind of in cahoots. He's kissing her on the cheek. And if you look at the image, or sorry, a picture of the artwork right now, on the left-hand side, you can see a hand. So that is Gianciotto's hand. And in the original artwork, Gianciotto was included in it, but because there was damage done to the painting, in 1882, they had, I think it's 1882, in 1882, they had to trim the canvas of it, so Gianciotto was no longer in it, and now it's just this eerie hand kind of just floating on the left-hand side, which, personally, I feel like kind of adds to this creepy kind of suspenseful element of the portrait and even though it was a shame that it had to get trimmed and the artwork itself isn't in its original form I really do think this still gives it that kind of suspenseful what's gonna happen next element of it and yeah so I really really love this painting and in the poem itself Gianciotto murders both of the lovers so I really do think the floating hand adds on to that suspenseful aspect, if especially if you know that later on these two lovers get murdered. So as I've said before, this artwork is found in the Scottish National Gallery. Personally, one of my favorite artworks. I just love the suspense of it. I love the tension of it. And even if you've never read Dante's Inferno, I didn't read it when I 
had first seen this artwork, I read it because I love the artwork so much and I just thought it was two random people and then just a floating hand and then I actually read into it and read Dante's Inferno. So now I have an appreciation for it and it really is such a cool piece of artwork. So if you're ever in Edinburgh, Scotland, then go to the Scottish National Gallery and check it out. There's also some amazing artworks there. I also feel like museums are one of those things that you don't have to go with anyone else. You can go by yourself. It's kind of like an individual experience because you get to look at what you want to look at. And if you want to spend more time on one artwork, you can. If you want to move on to the next, you also can. So I really like museums in that aspect. And so that is the cover art. And that's a bit of the background behind it. That was a bit long. But yeah, I wanted to also next talk about some in and outs, which I see trending a lot. I don't know if anyone's ever read the book The Click or seen the movie The Click, but that was the first time I ever read or had seen the concept of ins and outs. And basically in the books, I read these books, they're really popular in middle school. And the main character, Massey, every single week would write her ins and outs. And so ins would be random topics, out would be random topics. And it was crazy because in the first book and in the first movie, or the only movie of the series, she didn't like one of these other characters. And basically, it was monumental because in her in and out list, the last thing she wrote on her out list was, her name was Claire, was Claire in all caps. And I just remember reading that and then seeing it in the movie and being like, oh my gosh, that was so mean. That was so crazy to use her in and out list to also say some person was out but I don't know if that's what inspired the trend again or maybe someone brought it back and then from there it just kind of it was a butterfly effect but I love the in and outs list I used was trying to find my in and outs that I wrote when I was in middle school couldn't find them anywhere maybe if I find an old journal I could find my old in and out lists I don't know what would be on it but I think it's a really fun concept and I'm really happy that it was brought back So I did my own in and out list to kind of break the ice of this podcast. So my first in, I usually take melatonin because that's what everyone takes to sleep. And this other girl that I saw on TikTok, her name is Kate Galvin. She was praising magnesium and she also has an Instagram that's called CMOS Girlies. And she praises magnesium and always talks about taking her magnesium before bed. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to try that. So I took magnesium without melatonin. And I did sleep really, really well. Like the quality of my sleep was fantastic after magnesium. And I kept taking it because I usually would try to not take melatonin because I would feel kind of like a weird hangover from it when I would wake up. I'd just be super, super tired. So I was like, no. And then one day I was like, what if I just combine both of them? And I did my like 10 milligrams of melatonin and then magnesium. And I took them together, and I don't know what it is, but I see God every time I take that combination in the best way possible. I don't know God or whatever higher power there is, but I see it anytime I take it, and it is fantastic. My quality of sleep is amazing, so that's one of my ins. Another in is valerian oil. I put that on my tea before I go to sleep, and that also helps me sleep really really well so it doesn't just help me fall asleep I feel like the quality of my sleep 
has just improved a lot and I don't wake up groggy feeling weird. Another in I have is ice cream cake. Uh, it's been my, it was my birthday and every year for my birthday I have ice cream cake and it's so sweet that I would never have it for anything else. Like I need a special occasion to eat it and I just love ice cream cake. And then I also put air fryer chickpeas on here. I I don't know what I was doing when I wrote that one in here, but I tried air fryer chickpeas and they're really good and crispy. Um, so that's in there. Um, so then my outs is stealing phones. Um, I had my phone stolen at the beginning of the year, and it is just one of those things that it's not the worst thing that can happen to you. There are so many worse things that can happen, but it's just something that's just so frustrating and I find it inconvenient. And I was visiting my friend for her birthday in New York and we were at the bar and I had my phone in my back pocket and one minute it was there, the next I go to reach for it to take a picture and it's not there. And my first thought was, oh, I must have dropped it somewhere. So I'm walking around the bar trying to find it. And I'm just trying to figure out where my phone could have gone. I asked people behind the bar. They're like, no, sorry, nothing. I used my friend's phone to find find my iPhone. And I'm trying to find it. And it's still at the bar. And I think I messed it up because I put to play the sound on. And not even five minutes after I started doing that, they turned my phone on because I couldn't find my iPhone anymore. So that was just stressful and really frustrating and then I found out the next day that eight phones were stolen from that bar so wasn't just me but that is really frustrating and I had to be an iPad kid for a hot second that is out don't steal people's phones it's just so mean my out is stealing phones and then the only other thing that I have for out is Mount Rushmore I was reading about Mount Rushmore this morning and something about it just doesn't sit well with me. I'm really sorry if you like Mount Rushmore, but I was looking at pictures of it and there's just something so off about it. But I've never been, so I feel like I need to go physically and be there. But I don't know. Something about Mount Rushmore just felt off to me and I felt the need to put it in an in-and-out list. So that there it is so then my next segment before i really hop into the meat of what this not the meat ew that is so gross before i talk about the topic of this first episode is books that i really like so the first one i have is lonely castle in the mirror that book is so good i'm on my second reread of it because i loved it so much i finished it at the end of the year last year and I re- I'm rereading it now, and it's just so good. I think the topics it talks about, it's such a beautiful and creative way to talk about really difficult concepts and to talk about mental health, but in a more subtle, nuanced way. It's so fantastic if you're into, not fantasy, if you're into surrealist fiction. So it's not really fantasy, but it has these surreal kind of fantastical elements to it it's so beautiful it's so fantastic read it my next book that i haven't read but i'm just really excited to read and i know i'm gonna love it is you are a global citizen by damon dominique i love him i love his youtube videos i love 
his segments that he does called Red Wine Talks, where he basically just drinks red wine with his friends and they talk about life and they talk a lot about philosophy, traveling, honestly, anything and everything. He has such interesting friends. He is also just such an interesting person. He is so well-traveled. He's so mindful of other people, other cultures, wherever he travels. I love his perspective on traveling, his perspective on life. He had a really big impact on me finding philosophy again and getting really into it. He's just fantastic. I love him, and I just know I'm going to love his book no matter what, and I'm just so excited to read it. So now on to what the episode is actually about. The title of this episode is What Does It Mean to Exist? And because this is called The Existential Diaries, I thought the first episode should cover what it means to be existential, what existential theory is, what existentialism is, and how I apply that to my life. Because I do think that philosophy is such a great tool, and I think that as a person, it is really important to know why you think the way you do, but to also look at situations from different perspectives. And I think different philosophical theories apply to different people and they can be applied to different situations. And it's not just this kind of catch all to think and live your life, but I think that different aspects of different theories and different aspects of different concepts can really help you find not just meaning but just find a way to process things find a way to understand what happened and especially if you're going through a really hard time I think being able to look at things from different perspectives and maybe finding comfort in why something happened or how it happened through a different perspective of thinking and a different way of thinking can be really good and can be really really helpful and it's something that's helped me a lot and I'm really passionate about it so Basically, that is what the Existential Diaries is trying to do. I am just trying to share something I love and talk about different topics in different perspectives and hopefully someone can resonate with it. So what does it mean to exist? Personally, I don't know and I don't think anyone really knows and I don't think we'll ever really know. Maybe after we die, we'll know. And you know what? I'm really fine with not knowing the purpose of all of this until after I die. I feel like there's just, there's no interest in my body to know the meaning of everything because sometimes the more I know, the less I want to know. And the more I think, the less I wish I was thinking. So yeah, existential theory is basically just this idea that humans have free choice and because we have this free choice we get to create our own purpose and our own meaning in our lives so we essentially choose to be who we want to be and that is just kind of the basic definition for existential theory and just what is the background of existentialism you know you get to decide who you are and who you want to be and that is really freeing and times and that is also really scary so existential theory basically we have this free choice we get to be who we decide to be but within that there are some overarching concepts because i feel like it is such a broad concept like oh yeah you get to choose 
Like, none of this matters because you get to choose what matters and what doesn't. And that's really confusing. So I'm going to bring it down a bit. So one of the first concepts of it is this idea that existence precedes essence. So basically, we exist and then we'll find the meaning later. So to me, the way I interpret this is that when you're born or before you're born, there's nothing set out for your life in stone. There is no pre-thought-out destiny. There is no path, direct path for you that's lined up that you don't get to choose. That's how I interpret this. Like You first are born, you exist, and then as you live your life, you find a meaning and you find a purpose based on what happened in your life. So you get to create what you want in your life and you get to be in charge of the values that you want to prioritize. And in a direct quote that I got from one of my philosophy textbooks in undergrad, existential philosophers believe that when we're born, we're nothing. Instead, through developing meaning, we become what we make of ourselves. So when we're born, we are just, our brains are forming, we're slowly becoming able to think, slowly becoming able to process stimuli, apply meaning to things. So I feel like the most basic example of this is that when babies are born, they see a tree and they're not processing that as a tree. They're seeing a tree, they're just seeing an object. To them, a tree isn't a tree. To them, a tree is just this object. And then as they get older, as their brain develops more, they figure out that, oh, that object, that is a tree. So things that look like trees that were just once blobs, that were just once objects to them, later on, that becomes a tree. And then that will give them some meaning that gives that object some significance to that baby later on as an adult, whatever. But basically, when they were born, they had no idea that that blob was a tree. They had no idea what a tree was. They had no idea what grass was. Later on, they attached meaning to that object. So that is the basic form. That's a really simple, simplified explanation of this concept. But that tree existed, and then that baby put meaning to that tree. So that's not a perfect example of it, but that's just kind of how I interpret it in my brain. And then I attach that, or I apply that to life. Like, some of these things have no meaning to them until I put a meaning to it or until I put a purpose to it but basically this life is just a blank slate and we are meant to quote-unquote paint this canvas or this blank slate that we have any way that we want so for me that just means sometimes in my life I'm gonna have a different purpose depending on what's happening what circumstance there is what's going on in my own personal life I feel like I just have had different purposes at different stages in my life. And the meaning of my life is very different from what the meaning of someone else's life is. And I get to put that meaning on. So sometimes things will happen and you're just like, oh, why did that happen? And then you realize, oh, there was a purpose to that. So that thing had to happen. This existence had to happen. And later on, I figured out what the purpose of it was or what the lessons of that was. So in that aspect existence preceding essence is a way to think about this existential theory and then another concept of existentialism is freedom which i think 
it's one of the biggest aspects of existentialism because everything else is rooted in this freedom but existentialism highlights that we as humans have the freedom to do whatever we want at any point in our life and we get to make these choices so I know this is a really dumb example but we have free will to do anything so if I'm going to my kitchen right now and I'm getting a glass of water I have the free choice to drop my glass of water that I just filled I can do that because I have free will. So I can just be holding my glass of water, and if I want to drop it, I can just drop it. Why would I drop it? I don't know why I would drop it, but I have the choice to drop it if I wanted to. So this freedom, this free choice, existentialism, is really rooted in this freedom, in this choice that you have at any time to do whatever you want. And this is a very multifaceted concept, And I feel like people could generally talk for the rest of their lives about freedom and what that means to everyone else. But individually, in this form of thinking, freedom just means you get to have this choice. And because I have free choice, I also get to choose how I want to interpret this concept of freedom. So for me, freedom just means at any point, you can choose how you react to things. You can choose, not in all cases, but you can choose, oh, I want to do this right now because I have the freedom to do it. If I want to pack my bags and move away again, I have every single free choice to do it. This is kind of where I think I deviate a bit away from this core existential theory is that just because you have the freedom to do something doesn't mean you should do it or doesn't mean you can do it so just because you can doesn't mean you can very confusing but just because I can pack up my bags at any point and move to a different country doesn't mean I actually can do it because as humans we also have different responsibilities we also have different things that are limiting us so just because I could in theory book a flight and leave doesn't mean I would be able to doesn't mean I don't have things tying me back doesn't mean I don't have things that I have to do and responsibilities that you can't just leave. And another example of this that just comes into my head is just because you can be an asshole doesn't mean you should be an asshole. So just because you can be a mean person and in this, you know, existentialist thinking like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. But does that also mean you should be an asshole? I feel like for all of these you can honestly make a list. For every point I make about existentialism, you can make a point to counter it. If you have any crazy thoughts about it, you know, let me know or keep it to yourself. You have the choice to. The next existential concept is absurdity. This is my favorite concept of existentialism and existential theory. And this is probably why I love existential theory so much is that absurdity is this idea that there's so many unknowns in life. There's really so many unknown circumstances, unknown people, unknown situations. And because you just can't know everything that's going to happen in life, this means that anything that can happen to you at any point in your life will happen to you. And I personally love this concept. I love the fact that there's times when life just happens There's no pattern to it. There is no rhyme or reason. Things just happen. And that is just what makes life so absurd is that these things just happen. And life is basically just things happening. 
at all times. And specifically, existential theorists believe that life is absurd and has no meaning until we attach importance to it. So again, this freedom. So life is so absurd, there's all these things happening, and none of this matters to anyone unless they add any importance to it. So the things that are important will be important, and the things that are important will not be important. And I think this really shows through and what people care about. So because everyone cares about different things, so maybe something that someone finds really, really important and really prioritized in their life, someone else has not even given a second thought to it. So I personally feel like absurdity is something that you will find everywhere because we don't know, unless someone knows something I don't and someone knows exactly what's gonna happen all the time. If you know that, keep it to yourself, I don't wanna know. But I love living in this kind of, not naivety, but just living in the fact that I don't know what's gonna happen, so I'm gonna take care of what I wanna take care of, I'm gonna find what's important to me, and whatever else happens, have no control over it, no way of knowing. So my life is just absurd. And everyone's life is absurd because we have no way of knowing what's going to happen. You don't know what you don't know that you don't know. You know? So that's absurdity. I think this concept is just really fun to think about. It's fun to talk to other people about it too. And I just really enjoyed it when I was in my classes and we were talking about absurdity. Now that I talked about absurdity being my favorite concept, my next least favorite concept is anxiety. Anxiety, as it relates to existential theory, is that anxiety happens when you realize that life is absurd and that means that the freedom in your life makes you responsible for your own life. And so this is really stressful. It is really overwhelming when you become aware of the freedom that you have in life and you become aware of the fact that you can choose what you make of your life and this realization for me is at the basis of what an existential crisis is and this is where existential crises usually stem from this concept and this anxiety of the fact that you are responsible for your life you are responsible for these decisions and you have so much freedom to do whatever you want with your life again Different people have different types of freedoms, and I feel like I will talk about this at the end of just kind of what where I think the limits of existential theory are. But this is what this thought, this anxiety that you choose to this anxiety that happens when you choose to accept that life is absurd and you have the freedom to choose it, it's overwhelming. And you feel responsible, and it's this overarching responsibility that you have to create purpose in your life and you have to make a meaning for your life and that if you're not doing something thoughtful and you're not doing something that's gonna be productive to your life and it's gonna add purpose to your life then you're just not doing anything and this is what makes you feel existential and sometimes this freedom to choose leads you to not being able to choose anything there is the theory of the fact that sometimes you have so many choices And having too many choices leads you to not make a choice at all. And again, not choosing is also a choice. So the more that you don't choose, sometimes more likely than not, you're going to even lose the opportunity to choose. So there's just this frightening anxiety and stressful moment that comes from it because you're just like, well, I can choose whatever I want with my life. What if I choose wrong? And so you're not going to want to choose, but then you end up not choosing and that's still a choice. And then 
even though you could have made 50 choices and maybe 75% of them were going to lead you to go through something bad or something that you might have not wanted to go through, now you even lost the 25% chance that you could have made a choice that really impacted your life. And I also really do think that this freedom and this free choice can be really healthy for some people, this concept that they get to choose. It can be really empowering. But also for some people, that's really destructive because say you're you're in a situation you're just like well none of this matters anyway because I get to choose what matters to me and if this matters to me then that's all that matters because it doesn't matter what matters to you this concept that none of this matters because it it only matters to me then I only care what happens to me and you see where that's really bad because say you know you have the choice to not even be a nice person just be a neutral person in a situation And then you also have the free choice to be an absolute dick. So, you know, you have those choices. You can do whatever you want. And then you willingly choose to be the dick. Okay. Again, to each their own. But also, again, don't be a dick. But because you have this thought that none of this matters and I can do whatever I want because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter and you still choose to be a dick. Yeah, that's pretty destructive. That's a pretty bad and toxic way of thinking also your free choice can affect other people and i feel like this also goes into so many other theories and so many other schools of thought where it's like i have this free choice and i can choose as long as i don't hurt someone else i can do whatever i want but if my actions are hurting someone else then that inhibits someone else's free choice so you should have free choice until it inhibits someone else's free choice but then This is where I go down the rabbit hole because sometimes when I think, I just can't stop thinking. And this is why sometimes I'd rather just not think. So then I'm just like, well, is free choice even free if you have to think of free choice in a way that it doesn't affect other people's free choice? Is that even free choice at all? Because then how free is free choice if you have to think about other people? And this is where I go down my rabbit hole because I'm just like, well... I believe in free choice, but I also don't think that I any of my actions should have a negative effect on someone else. I don't ever want any of my actions to hurt other people. I never want something I say, something I do to hurt someone else. That is also just me not wanting to be a bad person. I want to be a good person. I want to think about others and I want others to feel comfortable. And so this is where I think free choice is either really productive or really destructive because on one chance on one side you're like well I have free choice so with my free choice I'm going to make sure that the things that I do don't hurt other people because I get to choose what I say and I get to choose my words and so whenever I speak I want to make sure I'm not hurting someone else I want to make sure what I do I'm not doing it and affecting someone else on the other side of the coin this other person will be like well I have all this freedom, so I can do whatever I want. And so that's where I find that people mess up this theory because, you know, there's always someone that has to ruin it. There's always someone that has to mess it up and is like, well, I have free choice, so I'm just going to be a dick and I'm going to be ignorant and I'm going to be racist and I'm going to be homophobic and I'm going to be xenophobic and they're just going to be this awful, terrible person and then like, well, I have free choice. I have freedom. Okay. But just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Moving on, so that is anxiety. Next is authenticity. 
So this is a bit of a lighter, lighter topic, but in existential theory, authenticity is just being genuine and making these choices that are fundamental to who you are, regardless of external pressures. So this really means being an individual. And individuality is an essential thing to existential theory. Because what is the point of any of this? What is the point of any existential theory, any any of it, if you're not an individual and you're not making these decisions for yourself? What is the point of you having all of this freedom and having the ability to choose what you want if you're not even choosing what you want to choose? Existentialism just doesn't think that there is an inherent state of human nature. There is no inherent state of the way human nature should be. So we are the ones that are deciding what we give our attention to and what we give purpose. And then the last concept that I will talk about is abandonment. So abandonment is the feeling that happens when you just realize you're responsible for everything and you're the source for everything. And I'm really 50-50 with this concept. It is part of existential theory and I understand why it plays into existential theory. But for me personally, we are responsible for things in our life, but only to a certain extent. Because we're not responsible for everything that happens to us. We're not responsible for every single instance in every single life. I do believe the butterfly effect, where one decision you make does affect a lot of things, and it can really change the trajectory of your life. I feel like we're more responsible for our reactions to things that's in our control. When something happens, you do choose how you get to react. Even if it's impulsive, because sometimes things happen and I just, I'm ready to just fight. I'm, you know, feeling a little violent. Not violent. No, no, bad word. I'm feeling a little hostile and that's impulsively just my natural reaction to it. But if, say, like something made me mad and I was feeling a little hostile and I started yelling at someone, yes, that was impulsive reaction, but I was in control and I decided to yell at someone. And you are in control and you are responsible for the way you react to things because not everyone has to deal with your shit. Also abandonment, I do agree that when I realized how much free choice I had and the fact that I am responsible for a lot of what happens in my life or a lot of what I decide to do in my life, it really makes me feel trapped because it's like every single decision I make will have consequences either good consequences, either bad consequences. But that thought alone is really scary and that thought alone is really inhibiting. So I understand that part of it. But now I just want, you know, stemming from abandonment, I feel like this is a good way to segue into some of the problems or some of the things that I feel like, you know, traditional existential theory doesn't really address. I feel like we should also acknowledge that there is societal pressures that there is this either societal pressure, this societal stigma, you know, these norms that we have as a society, depending on where we live, what culture we're from, where we come from. Each person is going to have different factors and different pressures in their lives that can inhibit your chance at making free choices. There's also personal responsibilities because Say I wanted to pack up my bags and move somewhere else. Say I wanted to move to, let's say, a remote location, like a remote island, and the only way I can go there is if I take like three boats, a ferry, a little kayak, and then a paddleboard to get to this place. If I were to do that right now, would I be able to bring my dog? 
Chances are probably not. But just because I can go at any point and I want to live on this remote island doesn't mean that that relinquishes the responsibilities I have to my dog. Doesn't mean that also relinquishes the responsibilities I have to my family, to my job, to my school. Just because I can do that doesn't mean that I also don't have other factors in my life that would make it harder or would make me have to really think about that choice and really say, hey, I can do this and I really do want to do this, but is it worth it? Like when I put this on the scale, is it worth it? And I think that's where I would kind of, you know, add a little caveat to existential theory and this freedom that we have because we do have responsibilities. People also have financial responsibilities. Some people, you know, you can put all your money into these certain things or you have this freedom to do it, but that doesn't mean you also have the means to do it. That also doesn't mean you are able to. If I wanted to go solo backpacking through all these remote places, you know, that I can do it. But also as a woman, does that even make it safe? Am I even able to do that? Would I even feel happy doing it? Because I would be worried about you know, something happening to me because there's so much good stuff in this world, but there is also a dark side to the world and there is also bad people that have bad intentions. So I feel like it should be addressed that you have this freedom, but it is within the confines of your own responsibilities and your own means and, you know, where you were born, where you live. Your demographic plays a really big role in that. So this freedom, is it really free? Again, I don't know. This is all school of thought. But is any of this really freeing? I feel like overall existential theory, and for me personally, existentialism has helped me come to terms with life. It's helped me come to terms with my own existence. It's helped me come to terms with my own mortality. So for me, that's what existentialism helps me do because I have the freedom to choose and I get to make of this life what I want. So overall, I think if you think of existentialism as being able to have control over the things you can control, you get to make choices on the things that you can control and the things that you can't control, if it is, it's going to happen. And sometimes there is no rhyme or reason to it. And sometimes there is no pattern to it because life really is absurd. And none of this matters. Like, genuinely, this concept of what does it mean to exist, it's just a concept. It's just an idea. And so many other ways of looking at life have their own concepts and their own ideas. This is just one of 1,050 infinite ways that you can look at life. Because you know what? It doesn't matter. As long as you are living life the way you want to be and you're not hurting other people, then that's great. Because none of this matters. And if you just listen to this podcast and you don't agree with any of it, well, good news, because none of it matters. You lost 30 minutes or however long this is listening to it. I'm sorry, but it doesn't matter. So, yeah, that is the Existential Diaries for you. Thank you so much for listening to this. I hope you learned something new or you thought of something else. Again, it doesn't matter. Thank you so much, um, and thank you to my amazing and supportive friends and family that really gave me the confidence and made me feel really safe and comfortable with just starting this. So thank you to you guys, because you're amazing, 
And I would not be able to do any of this without an amazing support system that I'm so lucky to have. So yeah, that's the Existential Diaries. I will see you in the next one. Bye.